Everybody seems to love the new SF animated family adventure, WALL-E. Here's a take on the movie from our guest reviewer, Ryan Nichols. WALL-E is a wonderful post-apocalyptic love story about a pair of anthropomorphized robots attempting to save our planet. The eponymous character in WALL-E is officially a waste allocation load lifter, Earth class. He will remind people of number 5 from Short Circuit, the drones from Silent Running, and R2-D2. But Wally is his own robot and is derivative in only a superficial sense. In fact, the emergence of his unique identity through the film is one of its strengths. Wally's been fulfilling his programmed function, compacting garbage, alone on a long-deserted Manhattan for the 700 years since humanity vacated Earth. Apparently, the quality and quantity of human refuse made the planet uninhabitable. But this is no one-dimensional eco-doomsday pick. The brilliantly realized setting gives way to a film that compares well with any other film in the genre that's been released in the last few years. Wally's menial labors are rendered beautifully as the little robot pushes and piles cubes of trash into stacks as tall as skyscrapers. When he completes another day's labor, solar-powered Wally and his cockroach, Pet, retreat home to the cargo compartment of a junked support vehicle. Among the many ways Wally is humanized, eye movements, coos and calls, his hand gestures, Wally shows us his OCD side by collecting and stacking junk. He also watches an old tape of the 1969 musical Hello Dolly and attempts to reenact its scenes. The music of that film features prominently in this one, but the soundtrack also includes tracks by Peter Gabriel, Louis Armstrong, and new compositions by Thomas Newman. Pixar outdoes itself with a stunning post-apocalyptic setting. Andrew Stanton, the director, said he studied the cameras, lens packages, and film print stock used to capture the dirtiness and lived-in feel from films like Star Wars. He succeeds in giving the Earth a squandered, gritty feel. The sullied rendering of Earth is brought into relief when contrasted with the arrival of another robot, Eve, by designation an extraterrestrial vegetation evaluator. Eve is a smooth, round, white robot with no apparent moving parts. From a safe distance, timid, dirty Wally watches Eve's descent from heaven. Their subsequent patterns of miscommunication, conflict, and resolution are at the heart of the film's narrative. Wally begins to fall in love with Eve as he shows her around, saves Eve from a cataclysmic dust storm, and invites her into his home. There, Eve scans one of Wally's small treasures, which activates her program and puts her into stasis. Wally loyally cares for her while she hibernates until a shuttle returns to Earth to take her back to humanity's mothership, the Axiom. Wally climbs on the exterior of the ship for the ride back and clears Earth's orbit, but only after being hit with some recognizable space junk. Humanity only appears in the second act of the film. On the Axiom, people live lives of nearly complete leisure, by scooting around on maglev lazy boys while looking at digital displays mounted on armrests. Unless they're getting a massage from a robot, or having a teppanyaki dinner cooked by a robot, humans are probably browsing the net and sipping on a liquid meal with a straw. Their pristine ship lacks even a grain of dust. But the visual purity of the ship works against the film. Whereas Wally's Earth is a place we recognize and identify with, the Axiom is an idealized setting possible only in a cartoon. 
Whereas the visual differences between Wally and Eve add to the film's texture and meaning, shipboard human beings are an undifferentiated mass. Human beings are so uniform that, but for skin color, they would be visually indistinguishable. Pixar scraps the sensory realism of the first half of the film for a stylized, streamlined set of comic strip humans, all of whom wear monochromatic fat suits. Stanton gives us a South Park-inspired juxtaposition of cartoony animations with clips of flesh-and-blood human beings. Well, one, Fred Willard. Willard plays a long-dead president of, by and large, the multinational retailer under whose flag the Axiom flies. These moments risk removing viewers from the magical realism of the 29th century. Once Eve returns to the Axiom with her findings, the ship is supposed to return to re-inhabit Earth. But the ship's AI has something else in mind. Wally, at this point a stowaway, springs into action and comes to Eve's rescue. The two of them, along with a gaggle of malfunctioning robots, spread havoc around the ship in their efforts. The human captain, for his part, makes an inspired attempt to reclaim control over the Axiom and return humanity to Earth. The optimistic tone of the film is sounded by the cheery songs from Hello, Dolly, and by the relationship emerging between Wally and Eve. Some will leave the film self-satisfied at the picture's finger-wagging at capitalism. By and large, the global container store monopoly has evidently merged with the U.S. or world government. Willard, in the role of president, utters mindless bushisms like, stay the course, and he attempts to prevent the captain from freeing humanity from the, as it were, bondage of extreme leisure. What's lost in the film's anti-consumerist message is the fact that it is apparently less capitalism per se than consumerism and monopolization that's reduced humanity to its lazy, pampered existence on the axiom. Life there is centrally governed by the state slash company in a way that squashes individuality and entrepreneurship. The situation is much more reminiscent of a centrally planned society familiar from the history of communism. But it would be too charitable to say that the filmmakers were simply too subtle in their conveyance of this point. As with the best of Pixar, this film will legitimately appeal to a wide audience of all ages. The animated characters are rendered with amazing life and verve. Their facial expressions and sounds by Oscar-winning sound engineer Ben Burt, creator of R2-D2's Trills and Whistles, allow the robots to connect with the audience. The subtlety of the film will please adults and parents even on a second viewing. It offers opportunity for more engaging post-movie analysis than many SF films made exclusively for adults. A number of references to other SF films give adults opportunity for quiet smiles and knowing winks. But Wally stops short of that overt kind of intertextuality that produces sighs and rolls of the eyes. Thankfully, the film's eco-message isn't domineering or heavy-handed. If the film has an overriding lesson, it's this. Create and program really good robots so that they can care for us when we're too lazy to do it for ourselves. We might as well get started. This is Ryan Nichols for Escape Pod. Ryan Nichols is a professor of philosophy in Southern California and author of Philosophy Through Science Fiction, out in a couple of months. He lives with his partner, Amy, in two labs.